Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for One went to the right hand on the wall towards the refuse gate. After them went Hoshea and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshalem, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priest's sons with trumpets, shofars. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph. See, we're given this lineage or this order that people wanted to doubt that God, I don't think God can really restore back that well. Well, here's a list of names proven he can. That's why they're there, even though I'm struggling through it, right? Verse 36, and his brethren, Shemaiah, Azrael, Malilah, Malilai, whatever, Galilai, Mai, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. By the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David as far as the water gate eastward. The other Thanksgiving choir, we got more than one. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And I was behind them with half of the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. Likewise, I and half of the rulers with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Menjamin, Micaiah, Eloani, Zechariah, and Hananiah, with trumpets, also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehoianan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer, the singers sang loudly with Jezariah, the director. Can you imagine being there to see this? You're in Jerusalem, gigantozoid wall going around the whole place. A choir goes around this way, a choir goes around that way. It's like you ever had surround sound in your house? where you got speakers over there and over there and behind you, and there's a big woofer on the floor. I, I went in this place, uh, some guy's place. He, he says, you got, you got to hear this round sound. Wherever you sat, you heard stuff from back here over there. and It just was wonderful watching this movie because you were surrounded in it. But can you imagine, I don't know how many hundreds of people was involved in this. They got up on the wall and surrounded everybody and probably saying inward, this is surround sound like you ain't never heard in your life. This had to be incredible. And they surround sounded everybody, and then they went in the temple, right in there where the, where the Lord God's presence was at. I wished I could see that. When I get to heaven one day, I'm going to find all those people that were in this. I said, hey, you need to tell me about that, okay? Tell me what that was like. It had to be cool. <laughs> 
But imagine this. They went around the wall. This gives you an idea how big this wall was. Now, they started at one gate. One choir went counterclockwise around the city, while the other choir went clockwise around the city until they had surrounded Jerusalem in praise. We need to be surrounded in praise often. When you're going through your work week and you drive to work, put on some praise music, guys. Now, the Lord had brought praise back to the mouths of his people, the Israelites. What a turnaround from all the mess that we've been covering for months, the stuff they were doing wrong, following false God after false God, and it almost burned me out having to talk about it because every time you think they were going to get it right again, some knucklehead would come back and plunge them right back into godlessness again. Well, finally, their mouths are full with praise again in Jerusalem. And guys, this story should be, bring praise to us. You can't mess up bad enough that the Lord can't draw you back into praise like this. I sometimes think, Ray, I, you bombed it too bad this time. Ray, you blew it too bad this time. Now you've really done it. And you want to give up? And you think, that's it. God, God's now mad at me, and I've, I've really, uh, Ray, just, just throw in the towel. Look what he did for them. Friends, don't forget this. You think you messed up too bad? Look what he did for them. He can draw you back in. He did them, and he dealt with them for centuries. I'm not going to live for centuries. If he can deal with them, he certainly has the patience to tolerate me and you. So good. This should bring praise to us just from seeing how far God is willing to go, how far he's willing to take it to restore his people, even after they have fallen away in sin so badly. Look at this story. It's amazing. Guys, this, this started off where they started marching around one side and one group went the other way. It probably started from the Valley Gate, which is the same place where Nehemiah began his observation of the wall several months before this. He started at the Valley Gate. You remember back in chapter 2, Nehemiah went to inspect the wall to see how it looked. He found it in ruins. He started from this same spot. And he went around the city estimating the damage. Can you imagine now Nehemiah like, this is the same place I started. I started what was once destroyed and was in pieces and was in rubble and broken down. Now look at it. It's all built back up and there's praise everywhere. Friends, this is a picture of you and I. We were once broken down and busted all up. And now the Lord can restore us back with praise again. Don't look at this as just a city and a wall. Look at this as what God can do with you. This is exciting. So, but look at these people, though. They're walking on the walls. They start the whole bunch of them, went around on top of the walls, and they covered it all the way around the city. Again, the big surround sound. This was not only to praise the Lord God around the city but also to prove to everyone how solid these walls are. Friends, when God restores you back, he doesn't build you up cheap. He builds you up strong, ready to take on what the world's going to throw at you. I want us to remember back to Nehemiah 4, what their enemies said when they heard, oh, he's going to build a wall. Look at what they said. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. 
<laughs> the enemy likes to make you think you're weak. The enemy wants to tell you, oh, no, you're easy to break. But friends, when the Lord God builds you up, he builds you up very, very strong. You don't have to be afraid of what that enemy's telling you. You trust in what the Lord God has built you. If the Lord God has built you, he's going to build you strong enough to withstand what the enemy throws at you. Amen? I need to hear this. I need to know this in my life. So there's praise in the city of, Israel, in, in the city of Jerusalem again. Plus, Israel's enemies are being proven wrong by these people being on the wall. You know there were some enemies snuck in a little bit, maybe at a distance, that had believed that if a fox got on the wall, it would break down. They're watching this. They're going, oh, no, look at all the people on the wall. This is not what we thought. Christian, I want you to understand, when God builds you back, he builds you back a whole lot better than you could ever think he would. Just trust him, okay? Nehemiah 12 and 43 Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. (laughs) Again, you know those enemies way out there are hearing this. What is that I hear? Man, they're praising their God. They're on the walls. Hey, Tobiah, you said it would fall down. Well, that's not what I see. And then they watch this and they realize who the God of Israel is. Friends, just show people who the Lord God of Israel is and the enemies that you may have once had. They're going to see it and they're going to think, man, who is this God you serve? And it'll show them otherwise. This is great. So this here, this moment here, they're all joyous. They're praising the Lord again. This is what they had looked forward to for over 70 years. This is long overdue. As slaves in another land, When you're captive to some other force that has control over you, you have everything taken away from you. You don't have what you used to have. You're robbed. You have been stolen from. But they're back, and the Lord has restored them back. He's giving back to them what the enemy had taken away. How many of you have ever at one time in your life or another, maybe some of you right now, feel like you have been stolen from? You have been stripped. You have had everything taken away from you. You know what? You need to come back to this joy of the Lord God in praise and let him restore you. He will give back better than what was taken from you, and it will be built strong. Now, this praise very likely reached the ears of their enemies who had once laughed at them and made fun of them. You ever get made fun of? Israel's Enemies once laughed at them, made them the fool. If you build a wall, a fox will jump on it and knock it down. Those enemies ain't laughing now, are they? They're not laughing now. Because God has praise back in Jerusalem. The people are not just praising. They're on the wall praising. And God says, I am destroying their logic. I'm destroying their mockery. Let God work like that through you. Take all those hurtful things that people have done, and you just say, Lord, deal with it. I'll be the fool as long as I need to be. I know that the Lord, Lord God, you're going to do something. I look forward to that day. Look at this. The enemies ain't laughing today here, are they? Nehemiah 12 and 44. And at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the first fruits and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portion specified by the law for the priests and Levites, 
for Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Look at this, a culture that loves their ministers. I kind of get the opposite out there. Verse 45, both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. See, they're going according to God's standards now. They're not just doing things the way I, here's the way I want to do it. They're doing it the way God said. That's a very difficult thing in our culture today. We want to just think the way we want to think instead of believing what God's standard, what God's word tells us how to, how to think and how to do it, how to behave. Verse 46, for in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. We're talking about a lot of praise today, and I heard somebody say, man, what a praise set today. You know why? Because the Word of God drove it today. It was driven by the Word of God. The people were really driven in their praise. And Nehemiah felt this celebration should have full-blown worship along with this dedication of the wall. Not just dedicate. We need to worship the Lord God because he's the one that made it happen. So they had the people bring their tithes into the storerooms as required by God's law because worship is not just in music. Worship is not just music, guys. What we're seeing here is that worship was also done with their gifts that they brought, the gifts that they brought, the tithes. The people were so into worshiping the Lord that they did this willingly with song and with giving. Now, I know these chapters have a lot of names listed here, and I've already indicated, but I want to say again that the reason why we have all these names, because, you know, whenever I talk to people, do you read the Bible? You know what I often get? Well, I don't understand. I, I can't catch all that. He begat him, and he begat this guy, and this guy was the son of so-and-so. I'm like, come on. That's not even 1% of the Bible. You're hanging it all on that. The reason we're given all these lists of names is so that the people of that day could do research in the family lineage and trace for themselves in this, what's recorded here, that the Lord not only brought the people back, he not only restored them back to their ancestral jobs, but he also put them back in their promised places of land inheritance that God had promised to give them. They could say, you know what? We were always given this portion of land. Look, look at the, wasn't that great grandpa? Yeah, that was him. There he is. And they're like, whoa, God keeps his promises because it says he brought them back. This is proof of restoration. It's not just a bunch of names. It's not just a list of names. It's proof of restoration. God gave them a registry, a directory. If you don't believe God can't restore, look it up. It's in the book. And these people would look up. I want to see if Uncle Bob's in there. Well, there's Uncle Bob. The Lord can restore. He can do this. He put them back in their, in their land. God promised to give them that land, and God's promises never fall. Look at Joshua 21, 45. It says, Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. All of it. And of all the enemies they have, trying to stop God's promises, and they haven't stopped a one word of it yet. You want to know why they're really attacking Israel today? 
it's not over this political move or that. It's because they hate God. And if they can take Israel off the map, then that means God can't keep a promise. God is a liar. Then you can't trust anything God ever tells you. The enemy wins. That's why they're attacking Israel, because too much promise is in there that God still has yet to make good on. And if the enemy can knock them off, God's a liar. You can't trust him. That's why they're attacking. God haters. That's it. Friends, when God promises you something, not a word of it falls to the ground. He keeps every bit of it. He keeps his covenant promises. He told the tribes of Israel that each tribe was going to live in specific places in Israel. Also, that within uh, specific lines of people, uh, family lines, they would hold particular job functions. So the purpose of these names was to provide a directory proving that not only did the Lord just bring the people back to their land, but he also reinstated them back to their jobs, back in Jerusalem, back in the temple, and back to praise. God wants our praise, and he will move whatever it takes to be moved to get us to praise him. Anybody that doubted God could keep a promise, all they had to do was look up all these names, find this ancestral directory, and they would learn that God can keep his promises even after 70 years of captivity. The Lord still keeps his promises. That is good. We're the ones that forget, not him. Friends, I want you to take comfort in the fact that when God makes a promise to you, he has the power to hold it together. Even when we mess up, Israel messed up. God's keeping his covenant. I messed up, Ray. I know I did too. I'm with you. God can keep it all together. He's he's God. God had to keep his covenant because he put Israel under covenant. He had to keep it to live up to his word. But Israel sinned, and Israel didn't sin just a little bit, guys. They sinned a lot. They didn't sin just this much. They sinned huge amounts. They turned their backs on God to follow other gods. They did a lot of wicked, sinful things for years. I'm not talking just within one lifetime. Centuries, generations of people, they sinned against God. But God never one time canceled his covenant promises that he had to them. Not a one time. Now, this does not condone a sin license. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. Oh, well, you know, I'm under covenant. I'm going to be saved. I can sin all I want to. Uh Uh-uh. Not a sin license, because God did hand them over to their enemy for captivity for 70 years. They got messed up. God took them behind the woodshed and gave them pops. Pretty pretty good, too. So their sin did come with heavy consequences. It came with heavy penalty, and it hurt. 70 years of captivity does not feel good. That is catastrophically bad. But God did not ever one time drop his covenant promise with with his people. So any of you thinking, well, this means I can sin all I want to, so I gave my life to Jesus, I can just sin like crazy. Hey, first off, with an attitude like that, I'm wondering if you really gave your life to Jesus for real in the first place. But secondly, do you really want those consequences? Because God will dish them out. Captivity, 70 years, that's, that's a heavy punishment, right? But God never once dropped his promise. He never once lets his promises fall to the ground. I want you to look at John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not, shall not perish, 
It's a promise. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, this is a promise of God saying that you will be saved, and you're going to be saved because you're going to be saved because I promise it. I covenant wrap it. It's going to happen. You shall be saved. Yay, I can sin all I want to now. No, you can't. Even covenant covered Israel had consequences for their sin, and it was bad. This is restoration time. Israel was all, you know, Jerusalem was all busted up. They got it back together, but for 70 years, it was busted up. The gates were burned. The walls were rubble. You remember King David. King David was God's covenant guy. A man after my own heart, God said. Well, that sounds like David can do anything he wants to. No, he can't. David committed murder. He committed adultery. And David paid heavy for the sins he committed, and it plagued him for his whole life. He went through bad times. The consequences even took some of his children out. But never, ever treat God's promises like a sin license, but also never doubt that God will bring his promises to come true either. God will never let them drop. But that is not permission for us to go crazy. God's promises should never drive us to sin. God's promises should do for us what it did for Israel in this, in this story. It should drive us to praise. <laughs> I'm saved. I can do what I want to. Uh-uh-uh. Turn that to praise. I'm saved. I can praise all I want to. God says, I'm going to be saved, covenant promise saved. Now I can obey all I want to. I can serve all I want to. Why do people always go to the left with it? Let's go to the right with it. Way back in chapter 1, Nehemiah prayed for restoration, and the Lord did restore them. It's in the book. We're reading it. He restored Israel back from the insult and back from the shame that they were under. And I'll finish with this. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Friends, we're like Israel in this story. We're under insult and shame that we've been under, but you call upon the Lord, he will restore you back. He will deliver you out from under that. He will build you up strong. You get up on that, what he built strong for you, and you get up there and you praise. Surround sound your world with praise. And watch what the Lord God can do in your life. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. I'll give you a quick recap thing. Uh, I had a pastor's lunch I went to the other day, and I saw some ministers walk in the halls of Calvary Chapel, Houston, that I don't normally see. And I saw one of them that runs the radio station. And he says, hey, Ray, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. How are you? He goes, I am set for life, brother. And I thought, Okay. And, you know, I just kind of went on about my business there. And then I got to thinking, I'm glad he didn't say that to me in the context of the name of a radio show. He told me he was set for life in the context of his spiritual status. I'm glad that this title of this show gets out with a meaning behind it. You give your life to Jesus, you are set for life. And people are catching on to this, that you're, you're, you give your life to Jesus. He binds that in covenant promise. Don't go off and sin with it. Go off and praise with it. And I am set for life, brother. Aren't you glad we have a God that does this way with us? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.